Hey everybody, this is Alf speaking. Welcome back to the Macro Compass. Understanding the bond market is paramount important, guys. If you want to achieve a clear macro big picture that most investors strive to achieve when they design their investment portfolios, you really need to understand the bond market. And that's why I launched this Bond Market 101 series. It's my best attempt to help you unpack and navigate these fixed income markets, hopefully in plain English, pardon my Italian accent. This is the third article of the series. You can check the first two as well if you're new to the Macro Compass. Today, we covered in detailed OIS rates, overnight index swap rates, what they are, why do they matter, the difference with treasury yield curves, and what curve shapes are you supposed to look at and why. There are three main takeaways from this article. The first is that overnight index swaps or OIS rates can be effectively thought of as the cleanest yield curve out there. So not the treasury yield curve, but the OIS curve. And why? Because they solely reflect the term structure that the aggregate market participants have for the path of federal funds rate over time. Nothing else, just the federal funds rate expectations over time. The second is that the average hiking cycle has historically lasted somewhere between two and five years while structural factors that influence long-term equilibrium borrowing rates take rather decades to unfold. And that's why the best yield curve shapes we have identified to look at are two-year, 10-year, and five-year, 30-year OIS curves and not treasury yield curves. So those two-year, 10-year, and five-year, 30-year OIS curve shapes are pretty handy to track to grasp the bond market assessment of where we stand in the cycle. And the third is we also discussed why OIS rates can indeed be considered amongst the purest credit risk-free investments in today's monetary system setup and show that treasury yields are generally higher than OIS rates, pretty weird, but they are, and also that treasury yield curves are steeper than OIS curves. Now, before I forget, if you're interested in generally any kind of partnership, sponsorship, bespoke consulting services, Feel free to reach out at themacrocompass at gmail.com. I'll just pick up your email and see if we can work together somehow. Back to it. In our monetary system, guys, the closest proxy to a credit risk-free investment would actually be parking cash overnight in your local currency at your domestic central bank. And why is that? Because central banks are just public institutions which are mandated and backed by governments to primarily make sure that commercial banks can smoothly settle payments against each other. That's really the primary function of a, of a central bank. Yes, they're also in charge of setting monetary policy to achieve price stability. That's why most people know central banks nowadays, but that's irrelevant if the interbank payment system is impaired. So their very first and foremost task is to make sure that banks can settle against each other. Now, if you would have a, a bank deposit account at the central bank, placing money at the central bank will be tantamount to an overnight deposit at a government-backed clearinghouse for all commercial banks. So you wouldn't have uh, basically the credit risk of depositing at a commercial bank. That would sound quite about credit risk-free, right, as an instrument. Now, first of all, obviously, you don't have an account at the, at the central bank. And second is that will be an overnight deposit rate. And for example, how can you compare a 10-year treasury yield to an overnight central bank deposit rate? You can't, right? So is there an yield curve? that reflects the term structure of overnight central bank deposit rates over time. 
Yes, there is, and that's called the overnight index swap curve, OIS curve. So for instance, a 10-year OIS rate or contract would imply that a counterparty agrees today to receive a fixed 10-year rate, and in exchange, it commits to pay overnight for the next 10 years the prevailing Fed funds rate every single day. So basically, that would be the market-neutral expectations for where, allow me this simplification without discounting uh, being incorporated, for where, on average, Fed funds rate overnight will be for the next 10 years. Now, sure, but you hear that everybody is looking at treasury yield curve. So why am I looking at this OIS instead? And what curve shape am I looking at? Two stands, five thirties, three months against 10 year. You hear them all, right? Now, first of all, why are curve inversions important? Because they signal that borrowing conditions for the real economy, real economy agents are getting too tight with higher front-end yields, especially if those high, these front-end yields are getting higher than the long-end yields, because the long-end yields are equilibrium borrowing rates that the private sector can afford look, given their, their capacity to generate earnings structurally. So the drivers of long-term yields are very different than the one of short-term yields. And if front-end short-term yields are getting higher than long-term yields, that's quite problematic. Now, 10 to 30 years is considered to be a long enough time for structural factors to have an impact on potential GDP growth, long-term inflationary pressures. So that will be changing demographics, productivity, technological trends, debt levels, et cetera, et cetera. Those are reflected in long-end rates, and it takes decades for changes in these drivers to impact long-term rates. But what is the time horizon for short-term monetary policy condition and short-term rates to compare these short-term rates with the long-term rates we talked about? Now, the most recent hiking cycle have last on average two to five years. Traders' expectations are therefore reflected in two to five years OIS rates. So the, the right, um, historically speaking, the right amount of time to look at to grasp short-term monetary policy conditions is two to five years, while to grasp long-term um, rates, it's rather few decades. So anything between 10 and 30 years. Basically, I'm telling you that two-year, 10-year, and five-year, 30-year are pretty good indicators uh, for comparing short-term borrowing rates and long-term borrowing rates and why three months, 10-year OIS uh, or treasury yield curve doesn't work that well is because three months OIS rates are not a good indicator. They fail to incorporate that the average length of a reasonable hiking cycle is two to five years and not only three months. And therefore, three months rates can only move up once federal funds rate have already been hiked. It's basically a lagging indicator. Now, let's assume I convince you to look at two stands or five thirties treasury uh, OIS curve, sorry. Why can't you just look at five thirties treasury yield curve shapes instead? And the reason is that treasury, yield, um, treasury yields are different than OIS rates. They incorporate also other factors. They tend to be higher than OIS rates. Most importantly, treasury yield curves tend to be steeper than OIS curves. Therefore, you pollute the analysis with a thing called asset swap spread, which is nothing else than the difference between treasury yields and OIS swap rates. And the, the bigger the tenor, the bigger will be the difference between treasury yields and OIS rates. And also, the slope will therefore be different. So the 30-year, 5-year slope in US treasuries is 25 basis points, still upward sloping. The 30-year, 5-year slope in US OIS rates 
the one we should focus on is minus two basis points. It's already inverted. It's not a negligible difference. So using the treasury yield curves instead of the AOS curves, and also focusing on wrong tenors to assess the curve shape, like three months, 10 years, for example, are frequent mistakes that, in my opinion, unnecessarily pollute the yield curve inversion analysis. Now, don't forget to read the article, guys, because there is a link to a live source for a good proxy for OIS rates. It's free. It's not a Bloomberg terminal. Those are not OIS rates, are software swap rates. But if you read the article, you will understand why I believe they're a good proxy. And uh, as well, stay tuned for my next Bond Market 101 series article, because I will make sure to unpack this strange animal called asset swap spreads. So the difference between treasury yields and OIS swap rates, why do they exist? Why are they not zero in the first place? Why do they matter? Are they traded by who? And, you know, these asset swap spreads are pretty important. So we'll cover them in my next Bond Market 101 series article. Thank you for making it all the way through. And as always, feel free to share around the macro compass. And I hope I'll um, see you soon here at the next article.